I'm Mary Byers, and this is Associations Today. My guest is Robbie Kelman-Baxter, president of Peninsula Strategies and author of The Membership Economy. Robbie, I'm really looking forward to talking with you today. There's been a debate about whether millennials and professionals in general just have less time and interest for association memberships. And I'd be curious what you think about this. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough question because uh, it looks like from from the the behavior of the millennials that they have different attitudes about membership, but I think it's not that they don't care about membership or they don't want to join, and you can see that by the number of things that they are joining, uh, the way they're participating on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, the way they're showing up for for meetups, the way that they're finding new friends through dating sites and uh, communities uh, that are being created on the fly. The the thing that is different, though, is that they have access to information and they're able to compare the benefits. And so whereas in in, in past time, people could uh, only choose from a small number of, of options for membership and then they were loyal by default because doing research was so hard. Now people just have a lot more choice about where to affiliate and uh, and where to look for the benefits that they seek. And when you think about membership associations in context of everything that you just shared, what are some of the unique opportunities for associations in this environment? Well, the, the opportunity that the, that the associations have, they really have an advantage over the, the newer models that I'm, that I'm seeing out here in Silicon Valley. And that is that they have the longtime relationships with, uh, with their members, with their professional communities. And secondly, that they have the brand name. Uh, and then the third thing is they have some understanding about the unique needs, challenges, and opportunities facing those people. So they really have a huge leg up on any new entrant into the market. Uh, and so they, they have an opportunity to stay close to that, to that member and to continue to create new ways of providing benefits. They have the head start in the race. Um, I think that the, the issue that they run into too often is that they, they lose sight of the fact that their promise to their members is around the benefits that they provide as opposed to the particular products they've already built. Interesting. So you also mentioned Silicon Valley and, and who are some of the companies in Silicon Valley that are actually impacting associations and what can we learn from them? Well, you know, one of, one of the biggest, um, that I've spent a lot of time talking to and, and, and thinking about is LinkedIn. Um, and LinkedIn, as you know, is a professional community. It's an online professional community. And, you know, now when I'm doing speeches around here in Silicon Valley, I would say that 90, to 100% of the people in my audiences of professionals uh, raise their hand when I say who's a member of LinkedIn. And I would imagine it might be a little bit lower in other places, um, but it's still very high. And, you know, the data shows that about uh, 40% of the people that are members of LinkedIn check in in some way with LinkedIn every single day. So it's it's huge. And it's really becoming a de facto place for people to find other people like them, to identify new people that they want to know, and to keep track of their community, uh, all of which are traditionally benefits that are provided by professional associations. 
So I think one of the challenges for association is that you can have a very basic membership on LinkedIn for free, number one. Yep. And, and number two, are younger professionals actually going elsewhere? The majority of associations I work with have a presence on Facebook and LinkedIn, but that might be where their older, more seasoned members are spending time. But is the younger generation spending time there? And, and if not, are we missing the boat? Yeah, so so that's a great question. Um, you know, and, and and you bring up a couple of things. One of them is that any any organization that starts out being edgy and cool, um, almost by definition, has to become uncool at some point. And so there are always these these peaks and these waves when it, when a new kind of uh, a new kind of organization, a new kind of business model, a new kind of community appears. There's, there's a bump when it's new and then it kind of levels out. And if, if the new organization is lucky, they, they find a happy medium and they find people who are going to stay with them for the long term. But in many cases, you know, it's a peak followed by a valley and then the, the company goes out of, out of business. Um, so, you know, in those cases, I think the, the best advice I can give to, to professional associations is, uh, think about what is the value that you can provide. Think about what has changed in terms of what kind of technology uh, and what kind of services are available and what those what the cost of delivering those benefits are. So that's for me, that's one of the biggest issues. So, for example, uh, when you when you think about LinkedIn, they've made the cost of you know basically having directory services go to zero. So it is no longer a differentiator to have a directory. So, you know, for for these organizations to stay ahead of the curve I don't think that I think it's it's distracting to try to stay at the cutting edge and be cool, but it is completely critical and worthwhile to be aware of the truly disruptive technologies. And so they're really uh, creating sense of community in order to survive. And essentially, that's really the currency of associations is the community, a community of engineers, a community of dentists, a community of nurses, whatever the case may be. So maybe part of this is is looking at all of the technology and the disruption of technology, but then looking at it through the lens of the association's mission and why it was created to begin with. And you said something that's important, and I'd like to, for you to expand on that if you would. And that is the differentiators. What makes us different than somebody else, another organization, something that's online? So if I'm an association professional and I need to be thinking about that, what advice would you give me? Yeah, well, well you, you really nailed it, Mary. Um, it's the mission. Um, you know, you, you compare to a LinkedIn, for example, their mission is for everybody. It's very general. It's completely based on technology, whereas the professional associations uh, primarily have a mission that is more about helping that professional community be as successful as possible in their careers to be to be safe, to be uh, up to date, to have the latest education, to be connected with the the trends and the people, as you, as you said. And so, you know, the best thing they can do is recognize where they're different and what they can do that nobody else can do. 
And I think sometimes that's that's hard to discover, though. In a marketplace that's very crowded with a lot of competitors, uh, corporations have realized that that there's value in in creating communities, you know, even um, outside of the context of associations. So there's a lot of competition for associations today. And I, th- I think sometimes it can be tricky to, to find out where they're different and then capitalize on that. There's, you know, a little bit of fear that if we pick a lane and stick to it, what if we pick the wrong lane? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I had a great conversation. I was, I was in Washington uh, a couple of weeks ago and I had a great conversation with, um, with, uh, Kevin Donellan at the AARP and he had a great comment for me. We were, we were talking about the release of, uh, they have a new, uh, laptop, uh, I'm sorry, a new, um, tablet device that is um, specifically designed for seniors. And, and as you probably know, their their mission is around uh, improving the quality of life of people over 50 in the United States. And they had realized that there was no good technology that was really optimized for older people, you know, bigger buttons, better, you know, better customer service, uh, simpler interface, and so on. So since nobody else was doing it and they saw that as a huge opportunity to improve the lives of people over 50, they entered into a partnership, they created this tablet device and they launched it with much fanfare and and they were doing it right when I was when I was visiting and I said, "Well, what happens if, you know, next week Amazon announces Kindle for seniors? What are you going to do?" And he said, "I'm going to be so happy." Because it'll mean that we're moving toward our mission, which is improving the lives of our seniors. And he says, and then I'll go on and do something else because that's our mission. Our mission is to improve the lives of seniors. Our mission is not to have, you know, a hugely successful tablet device business. And I think that, you know, success for professional associations in today's crowded market is really about focusing on the mission and not on the product lines. So in, in essence, part of your message is a call for associations to get back to the basics. Why were you founded? What was your purpose? What's driving you? And to not be uh, distracted by the, the next bright, shiny object and, and and to head back. Good, good. I love that. Um, as we wrap up here, um, share a little bit about pricing and what associations should be thinking about as they, as they bring out new programs and services, um, and in, in order to benefit their members and to meet their mission. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as, as we've talked about before, I am just finishing up writing a book about membership and a big part of the book talks about, about pricing, both about pricing in general and, uh, especially about the use of free in your pricing model, which I think is a key element for many kinds of membership organizations. And one that I think that, um, a lot of the professional associations really haven't embraced fully yet, uh, the declining costs of technology make it possible for uh, associations to cast their net more widely and bring in, you know, more of the people who qualify as their target audience. So that's kind of the first thing that I think associations should be thinking about, which is having a broad reach, uh, which gives credibility saying, you know, hey, we really are the the organization that represents this community. And also it, it provides brand awareness and it builds relationships with people so that, you know, over time, hopefully they become increasingly committed and involved and, and join the fold. Um, and 
it also provides, you know, the, the other thing of free is that it provides and it starts to create a networked effect. That is, if everybody's part of your association, that means they're responding to surveys. That means perhaps they're participating in online groups or online forms, things that are really cheap to to deliver, but which create a lot of value that creates value with very low cost for the association. So that's the first thing is really think hard about free. Second thing is be clear about what what is included in, you know, I think the associations call it the membership, but really that is the subscription, the on, you know, what do you get just for being a member versus what you price separately. And you really want to get that right because what is included in the membership, you want that to be not only you want that to be enough that they get tremendous value from it um, and that they never, ever, ever have a reason to cancel. So, you know, in the book, I talk about a forever transaction, and that's really what you want to be striving for is they sign up to be a member and it never becomes a nice to have. It becomes it's, it's always a must have because ultimately membership uh, subscription based membership with tiers is just a much more elegant model. Um, it's much more, you know, you're much more likely to retain people. You're much more likely to get people to actually use the services that you're providing. Um, and the more people are using the services that you're providing, the more likely they are to stay uh, for the for the duration. Uh, Robbie, thanks for your time. 